Market. The S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is staying low until 2023. G'day, I'm Scott Phillips and with me, as always, the doctor is in the house, Dr. Imad Mahanti. How are you, buddy? I'm very good, buddy. I'm excellent, fantastic. Are you really? I'm awesome. Today. I'm going to ask you why, and you're going to tell me why, and I'm going to wish I hadn't asked you why, but oh. why? Oh, well, you know, it's like <laughs> it's in new watches oh. from Apple, new iPads. <laughs> you know, I ordered my new watch, and so did many of our other colleagues. I'm waiting for you to order uh-huh. uh, some. And then what else happened? You know, new software came this morning. So from it, Apple, it's yes. Exciting time. It's like Christmas Day. Is it better than Christmas? It's better than Christmas. Yesterday was better than Christmas for you, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally. Like, I'm in, you know, put my order in. So I, I'm just waiting for my new iPad. How far away is it? What's the, well, what's the still, limit time? It's, just, it's, it's still, they're saying, like, you know, it's going to come in October. Oh, wow, well, okay. Yeah, so there's not, a month. Not, not tomorrow, but not too far away. Yeah, so this in almost like four weeks. Okay. Can you wait? Oh, the only reason to live in Sydney is that it's going to come here in Sydney before it gets to Gold Coast. So Queensland people are going to get it later, apparently. Are you serious? Well, that's what uh, Bruce Jackson, our manager, was saying. Is that right? His, <laughs> his delivery date's later than yours. Well, he said that, you know, Brisbane delivery dates are definitely later than Sydney's. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's a thing. I, I'm not sure what to make of that. Well, I, um... so some benefit of the high house prices of Sydney <laughs> is that you get your Apple devices earlier. You, I, that almost might make you a, a Sydney house price bull. No. But 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 Come at on, least Apple it, Apple's worth no, least no, what fifteen it, grand it, a house twenty grand a house it it just makes it more palatable you'd pay you'd pay more to live in Sydney if you got your Apple devices quicker let's be honest oh that's what I said it makes it palatable <laughs> I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure it's justifiable but it's it's okay it's tolerable I, it's digestible <laughs> all right thanks so you're to be, Apple you're going to be in good mood for the rest of the podcast is that what you're telling me I'm in very good mood I'm most of the time in good mood you are no you are but you're in a particularly good mood today. Yeah, I can be cranky too. You want me to be cranky? <laughs> no, I don't be cranky. I really don't. It is Thursday the 17th of September. We are pre-recording this, of course, and for release tomorrow. So uh, Doc ordered his device yesterday when the news came out. Um, he, he regaled the group with plenty of Apple content, as he alluded to. And as you say, mate, I think I'm the only person on the team who didn't buy an Apple watch yesterday from the sound of it. Yeah, well, like you know. Lots of people buy Apple Watches. Apple Watches. I'm pretty sure almost everybody did. Yeah, it's like, you know, they're flying <laughs> off the shelves. You know, so it's all the good things about incremental improvements, you know, no innovation, all those things. You know, it doesn't matter. People are buying this stuff. <laughs> they so, really are. Is there is there a meaningful difference to the new... new um, it, uh, I know you could talk about this for hours, but try, try not to. Mm-hmm. What are, the, are there some key... So, so in terms of the new, new devices that are being released... Mm-hmm. Are you talk about incrementalism. Is it just literally a bit better than the last one? Is there any kind of breakthrough as a as a user, as an Apple shareholder, as a fan? Any particular kind of stands out? Well, well the, the new watches have uh, a, a blood oxygen meter. Cool. You know, in 15 seconds, it's going to tell you your VO2 max. That's pretty cool. That's very very cool. Um, so that's very exciting. And they've got a new. They've got an altimeter, an always-on altimeter, so it's good for hikes. Okay. Um, and uh, along with that, they've announced a new Fitness Plus uh, service. Cool. So, you know, you can now do all your exercises and stuff using your Apple Watch and your TV and things like that. So I put the Apple Watch down, it'll do my exercise for me. Yeah, sounds pretty, good. Pretty much. That's <laughs> if, hey, if they, I'm buying Apple Watch if it does that, trust mm-hmm. me. Um, that, that'll, that'll get me across the line. <laughs> all right, let's, should we move on? Yeah. That's a nice tangent to start with. We have got a lot to talk about, mate. As I said, we are going to keep it low till 2023. That was an allusion to, you see what I did? That was very clever. To, uh, to the US Fed saying overnight they're going to keep rates low for at least the next three years. The jobs market in Australia is recovering, mate, everywhere except, unfortunately, Victoria. Rio Tinto had one of the great snafus of all time. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the online retail juggernaut Kogan continuing to deliver great sales growth. I own shares for the full disclosure. And Snowflake, the online... Well, what, to, to me, describe Snowflake in a couple of words for our listeners, Doc. Well, it's basically a, what's called a data warehouse. So basically, it stores all sorts of different data, which you can then query... Uh, very quickly, so the query means find, mm-hmm. and then do various operations. So that's really a crude. Which sounds to me like a really cool thing, but not something that should be worth how many billion? Oh, 60, 70 billion. But well, you know, Come on, it's friends. it's um, <laughs> it's a really cool thing in the sense yeah. that um, putting the tech uh, tech aside, right? I mean, it's growing at some phenomenal pace. Yeah, hundred um, percent plus at. Hundreds of millions of dollars per quarter. Almost uh, as fast as the share price went up overnight. Almost as fast as the share. <laughs> probably a little faster than the share price um, is the growth. Uh, I mean, and then, I mean, you know, one of the things I like about certain types of software companies, if a software company becomes a platform, that's mm, great. Mm. If that platform then is in turn used to develop other software companies, right? Mm. 
those are marks of great companies in in many ways, right? So I'll go back to Apple. Apple enables a platform called uh, the the Apple Store mm. that enables you know uh, you know companies like uh, Facebook, mm. Uber, Airbnb uh, to stand on top of it, right? So that, that that's the sort of thing, right? If if a company mm. enables other sorts of disruptions, um, you know, yeah. uh, they potentially can be legendary. So all true, but uh, the shares did double post-IPO overnight. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, we will dip into the full mailbag. We've got a full show, mate. Should we get on with it? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, let's start with the macro, where we tend to start to kind of set the scene for what's going on. The US had their very first virtual Jackson Hole meeting overnight. Jackson Hole was this place in – is it Wyoming, Mississippi? I have no idea what it is. I put Jackson Hole, Wyoming is in my head. Anyway – in the old days, everyone who's anyone in the US and globally, central banks, economic policy, monetary policy, would all gather at this place called Jackson Hole and they would have a great big meeting where lots of good things get talked about and discussed and shared and announced, except not this year because this is 2020 and so not much happens the way it used to. This year, it was virtual, but the big headline from US Fed Chair Jerome Powell was that US rates will stay low until 2023. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, is it a big surprise? I guess not. On the other hand, when it's that concrete from the Fed chair himself, three years with effectively zero rates is <laughs> an extraordinarily long time. And to some degree, while 2020 has been weird, it's a continuation of what we've seen since really the, the GFC. I mean, this is, that'll be close to 15, 16 years of really, really, really tiny interest rates. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I think I saw a tweet actually of the of the dot plot. The the and I, hopefully I'm not butchering this. What I think is was most interesting is that I saw mm. this graph where they have the projected interest rate um, on yeah. one one axis, and the other axis is basically showing what their expectation is for an employment. Mm-hmm. Right. So 2023, mm. they expect unemployment numbers mm. to be between three percent and four percent. Right. Okay. Okay. Yep. You can flip that around and say mm-hmm. <laughs> that that is the assumed between three percent or maybe somewhere around three percent is assumed to be the at capacity employment. Okay, right. Maybe yes. even lower than that. Yeah, yeah. Right. And if you don't get there, lots of rates are going to actually stay low. It is just phenomenal, right. mate. So just, I, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a different world, right? It, it, to to have rates that low for that long, I, the, the economic orthodoxy was that that creates massive inflation, if not hyperinflation, certainly large, big chunks of inflation. I've seen plenty on social media, even the last couple of weeks of, you know, here's the dot plot even before this meeting. Here's, you know, inflation must be coming. Um, even share prices rising, inflation must be coming. And yet it does, it just has never, ever, ever turned up. And I, I, I'm kind of caught between two worlds. I'm caught between the world of eventually – we're going to get, you know, it's going to catch up with us, right? Eventually these things happen. And so the longer we leave it, the, the potentially, you know, more troubling the, the eventual outcomes, you know, is the, is the cure worse than the, than the disease is, is the question I find myself asking. On the other hand, maybe we genuinely, truly are in a brand new world. I think the, the biggest risk is that if we can't get some sort of inflation, even moderate inflation, which has kind of been for, for a decade, the central bank's intention, their specific stated goal, they've never been able to get it no matter what they've done. I, I, I mean, I don't know what else you do if 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 the orthodoxy is right, if, if the economists are, are right that some moderate inflation is necessary and they can't get it and they've got no tools left. The, the QEs, you know, done to the wazoo, federal government debts around the world are through the roof. Rates are as low as they get. If you still can't get inflation, you still need to. I, I don't, I kind of don't know what's next. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, this is not like this is not a law of physics, right? So, yeah, true. So economics is not physics. Yes. And uh, you know, all these laws exist that are based on some sort of data. That yeah, yeah. you know, I think the biggest issue I have is a lot of these, a lot of this economic thinking um, comes comes from sort of the early industrial age. Yeah. And we have long passed that early industrial age, mm, right? Mm, mm. You know, the pace of change is much faster. Yeah. Pace of innovation is much faster, and I think. You know, again, I don't know much about economics, but I'll say that I think mm-hmm. there are a bunch of economists who are caught in this old world with the old thinking, and and I think that's the danger, right? Mm-hmm. If 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 policy discussion is weaved around, because you know it's almost treated like this is a law, right? Yeah, there is no reason. I mean, there is no fundamental physics law that mm-hmm. says that if you don't have 
two percent inflation, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Stuff is going to be bad. I yeah, mean, yeah. maybe 05 percent inflation is more yeah. than enough. We don't know that. I think that's absolutely true. I think we do. Well, I, I, I do. I may be in the old school mold, but I do believe that deflation is a very, very dangerous place. We talked about this before, maybe a couple of months ago. We talked about the fact that when prices, if you believe prices are going to go down, you put off purchases. And that, that creates its own economic kind of spiral, which is really super ugly. And I think that, it, you know, despite the views of, or sorry, despite, despite the, the new world, the simple reality of if my car's going to be cheaper in a year than it is today, I'm going to wait and buy it then. If, if we get to that world, that that to me is scary. Whether, whether half percent's right or two percent's right, I agree with you. It's, it's, a, it's a moot point, right? What, what does worry me a little bit is if this gets past some sort of tipping point, it may be very, very hard to pull back without meaningful consequences. Yeah, so maybe that's true, but I, I think there's another version of that. You know, I'll, I'll try to make this up on the fly, which means I'll probably get it wrong. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah, but, but here's the thing, right? <laughs> more, my world. More, most of the cheap material goods, whether mm. it's a shirt or a pant, yeah. I think they have reached a point where their price really does not change, mm. right? So it's not that it's going to be materially cheaper. It has a material cost of doing business, and that's that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Most of the high-tech stuff, though, I mean, the theory that price, price results... It, People have known that the price of computer mm. in 1980s, mm-hmm. compare that with 1990s, price yeah, is actually dramatically yeah, reduced, yeah, yeah. right? Yet the sales have gone up. In fact, yeah. if price goes down, yeah. sales dramatically go up of some things. For sure. It depends on what the consumption of that item is, yeah. right? Yeah. It, yeah. So if we if we have shift, yeah, if right. we shift our consumption yeah. Yeah. to digital, yeah. right? And if we shift our consumption to experiences, mm, mm. maybe all this theory is basically mm. rubbish, yeah. right? Um, so I, you know, I'm just basically calling out. There's there's a lot of these. No, I think it's right. Yeah, I, think you're so right. I, I think you know. Uh, well, I think fundamentally, for the stock market. Mm. The one saying that that holds is you do not fight the Fed. Fighting the Fed is a bad idea <laughs> because you know fighting money parse is 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 a bad idea. Um, you know if the interest rates are going to be low, they're mm. going to be low. Mm. You can't do anything about it. So you got to navigate it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um it's a tough one, mate. Let, let's come back home to Australia and some good or bad news depending on where you live and kind of how you want to frame this one. But job ads. Seek job ads. Seek, seek. It's actually really useful. It's a recommendation of Share Advisor for the record. There's a there's a free a free tip for you, uh, but just just to mention it because we do is a recommendation. So it may or may not color my my next couple of words. Seek pr- produce a really really useful job ad series every month where they basically share what's actually happening on their site, how many ads are going through their platform, and the good news is that around the rest of the country, other than Victoria, job ads were up in August. The bad news is that Victorian ads were down 17.6%. In other words, one in five job ads that was there in July goes away in August. That's pretty scary. Um, and it's a hard one. The, 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 the kind of net-net number here is still positive, as we say, but Victoria's still in a world of hurt, mate. I think I, I, you know, I'm an optimist, as our listeners well and truly know, certainly, as you know, I'm inclined to look at the good news or try and find the good news there and say, hey... At least it's up everywhere else, and at least we're getting through recovery, and there is some sort of roadmap or or light in the tunnel for Victoria when they follow what the rest of the country is doing. That's good. By the same token, very very hard. Victoria is is, is I don't I don't mean not so just this is Victoria's fault, but Victoria is dragging down the national results because their their fall is so dramatic that the positives in the rest of the country simply were overwhelmed by Victoria's falls. Um, and yet, retail sales are up, GDP's down, unemployment due out probably halfway through this recording so if we do get the unemployment numbers for the end of the recording we'll, we'll throw them in um I, I, what do you make of it I, I don't really have a strong view but so i'll ask you what, what do you make of the job ads what do you make of the kind of economic circumstance we find ourselves in you know i, I, call, I have a pragmatic view of this so i think that my pragmatic view says that well not, none of this is surprising right yeah victorian numbers are down because well yeah it's it's in lockdown yeah it's in lockdown yeah right the other numbers are up because they are not in lockdown. <laughs> they were in lockdown, yeah, yeah. so numbers are likely to go up. Yeah. So, I mean, the both, you know, I, I think, so the, I think the numbers we are seeing, so the, the recovery we are seeing in the rest of the part is expected. The mm. recovery we are not seeing in Victoria is also expected. Mm. I don't know about the magnitude of the numbers, maybe the magnitude of the numbers, there's something there, but uh, I mean, net-net, mm. I think this is exactly what anyone would should expect. Mm. Right? Mm. I, th- I think my pragmatic viewpoint is we are looking at a much smaller economy or much by some percentage points, maybe 10%, 8%, 9%, whatever that number happens to be over the next few years, right? That is the reality. The reality is that the overall economy and the growth of the economy 
if you compared it pre-pandemic mm. to post-pandemic, it's going to be smaller, it's going to be slower. And the other thing I think is not clear to me is what are the post-pandemic permanent changes, mm. right? So yeah. there are these big things, big question marks right now in my mind is, um, so So one of, one of the things, I think this is very relevant for Australia actually, is... Uh, Australia has big cities mm-hmm. with large populations with big CBD yeah. focus, right? If there is a desertion of the CBD, that will have flow-on effects mm. uh, of many kinds, mm. right? So those those are things that are not really clear to me as to how they're going to play out. You know, what is the post-pandemic? You know, right, we, right. W- what level of CBD occupancy do we actually we're going to see? Yeah. Um, and, and then... I think this is where being urbanized or not is going to have its impact. I mean, if you're super urbanized, then and you, and there is a push towards regional. Mm. How does that impact? Basically, you know, shops and right, right, you know right. all the other. It's it's not it's not going to impact. It's not going to impact your banks yeah. <laughs> or your big business, right? Mm. It's going to impact those other little things that exist in and around to the, provide the localized businesses. Is kind of yeah, the other one, the ones that don't have some sort of national or, or regional footprint. Where you kind of you're, you're either at the cafe in the CBD, or you know, is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, like I mean, the services industry around that are local to right. various regions, right? I think right. that is what, and then the flow on effects of that, whether it's, it's taxi service in the city mm. to Uber service in the city. To yeah, right, right. you know, to laundromat service in mm-hmm, the city, mm-hmm. all of those sort of things. I think those are big question marks. So, I mean, we are in a time of substantial change, mm. and I think the key word here is adaptability. You know, how much you know. I I think any desire to go back to status quo mm. is going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's right. I think well, actually, we'll talk about it now. We um, so I think that's right. On look on the jobs thing, and to your, to your point, I think I think you're right. We are getting out something. We it's. I think we said this before, but we are potentially only 13 days away from being out of recession. There were some there were some forecasts out last week or week before, but say that one one particular one I think was Capital Economics actually believes that the September quarter will be positive for economic growth. In other words, we will be already out of that recession now. Whether we are or not, we won't know. And of course, it's kind of uh, yeah, those those numbers are kind of nice to know, and they're headline numbers. It doesn't help people who haven't got jobs. It doesn't help businesses that can't open. It doesn't help Victorians still stuck in their houses. Um, but at least there is some light at the end of the tunnel, and as you say. The fact there's a recovery happening, while it will take a while, is at least something to cling on to, and you know, for, for businesses, for consumers, for spending, all that kind of stuff to hopefully start to roll out. Then let me let me go to Kogan though. I was going to talk about Rio first, but let's talk about Kogan because we're kind of there. And you talk about some of the changes. I was so I'm a shareholder, um, and I'm biased. So let's let's put that on the table. I was really stunned by the strength of their August results. I have to say, mate, they added 150,000 customers, the most in a month in their history. Apparently, now they've got two and a half million of us. As customers on their database, that's one in ten Australians. Effectively, um, I was uh, as a shareholder, I wasn't expecting the numbers. Their sales were up more than hundred percent. Their gross profit was up more than hundred percent in August. Again, versus last year, I, I, I expected May, June, July to be good. You know, we kind of we all went online, and we started to shop online because it was the only place you could go, or because we wanted some retail therapy, or because of whatever reason. You know, there, there was a reason to go and shop online. I did honestly expect that growth to taper. It wasn't going to go backwards in a hurry, but I kind of thought, well, okay, well, it's now August. Most The rest of the country is effectively out of lockdown. We still can't cross state borders, but we can go to the shops. I mean, life is relatively normal-ish <laughs> as much as it's going to be for the next little while. I kind of thought people would go back to the shops. I honestly thought Kogan's growth would slow. And so I don't make this about Kogan necessarily because um, I don't want to talk, just talk about my stock because it's my stock. But there's something about the, the consumer behavior that really surprised me. Is this... Is this a new normal, mate? Is this part of the permanent change you're thinking about? Is this just still a hangover from people who are simply buying online still because they are kind of at home, they've got more money and they're kind of not going overseas so they're spending it? Uh, this are those Temple Webster, JB Hi-Fi. I don't want to make it about Kogan, as I said. It's not just about that. But the numbers just really, really shocked me because I did expect growth to start slowing. Yeah, so a couple of things. Like uh, I think the growth will slow to, you know, over time, mm-hmm. over time. But... At the same time, like the only place that I go now mm. to buy stuff physically is either Coles or Woolworths. And your local cafe. Even that have reduced. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. So but here's the thing, right? Yeah. Everywhere you go, yeah. somebody's there standing trying to, you know, get a temperature. Try- I mean, it's basically a nuisance, <laughs> yeah, true, right? Yeah. <laughs> the amount of nuisance that yeah, is yeah, involved, and yeah. I, I'm not saying that, you know, the nuisance is not necessary. Yeah. What I say is from a, a – you go to shop – for an experience. Yeah. If the experience is pain, 
you just don't go like we basically stop going out because it's uh-huh. like you know going out is hard to get a reservation <laughs> when you get a reservation you know like you know there's all these things that you have to do you still have this risk that you know somebody mm-hmm. might be there who has you know covid and then you'll be you know yeah, right. uh, quarantining so why do it it's just yeah. you know and if you want to buy a pair of jeans I mean you know just mm-hmm. get your app out and you know like I mean yeah, I totally. you know whether it's Kogan or you want to buy it from or Amazon or whatever like I mean <laughs> It's just easier. Yeah, yeah. It's less hassle. Yeah. And it's less painful. So I mean this is what I meant by yeah, yeah. permanent change, right? right? Um as this thing drags on, <laughs> the old way of doing things is going to be slowly slowly erased because I mean, you know, people are going to be auto-tuned to this new behavior. Yeah, right. Okay. And the new behavior is also easier. Yeah. Right? I mean it's easy. Um the other day I was trying to buy something from Amazon and I'm on on the website. Mm. And Amazon goes, if you download my app, mm. I'm going to give you $10 discount. Yeah, right. So I was basically trying to buy an iron, yeah. uh, you know. So this yeah. is like a $40 purchase yeah, on yeah, which yeah. they're willing to give me $10 off if I download right, the app. Right, so that's right. what I did. Yep. Well, I downloaded yep. the app. Yep. Well, what's the second app factor after downloading the app? Well, mm, once I've mm, got the app, mm. well, I might have browser and so I buy something else. Right, <laughs> so, so they know. Yeah, so they know. They know that um, you know. I mean, the, I mean, to some degree, it's not surprising either. They're trying it or that we're falling for it. It is. I mean, the amount of attention that we're, is being sucked up by apps on our phones. The, the social media, the kind of just, you know, you pick up the phone and call your friend, you can jump on Facebook. The, the simple ease yeah. of, I have a computer in my pocket with a nice size screen that I can literally pull out and do one of a million things if I want to. Yep. It's not, it's, partly it's actually, do I have to go to the shop? But it's not even that. It's literally just like, I, so yesterday, right? I bought some, uh, you, you actually grabbed them on the way in. <laughs> we were calling this at my place and Doc grabbed a, uh, a big W parcel as he walked in the door, it was left at my gate. I was a, it was a pair of, a couple of socks with my son. And it was literally like, I get a big W, it's literally five minutes away and I can do it next time I'm there. But if I order have 40 bucks worth, it's free delivery anyway and I can do it and just get it done so I don't forget. It's not a hassle. So I did. And I mean, to be fair, I was always already an online shopper, but literally the, the fact that I could do it at whatever time of day it was, whenever I wanted to, however I wanted to, super easy. It, it was just, it was, it's too easy not to do it, right? That's almost the thing with the phone being so close. Yeah, I think it's too easy. I, I, th- I think then, you know, I've seen, um, so, you know, I, I think it's just the, additional layers of hassle right and if you think about you know if you have to if you have to go to shop somewhere and you have to take public transit yeah that's a pain yeah you don't want to take public transit <laughs> people are scared of public transit yeah, right, right. so it's it's just all of those things it's just the convenience it's amazing, yeah. the uh i mean the circumstances and i mean this is how yeah. permanent changes happen you know i would suggest that because the phone is enabling everything for every dollar that's spent i think you know 10 cents should be sent to apple <laughs> <laughs> I, if, if we're doing it by market share, mate, I'm more than happy for Google to get the other ninety cents. That's fine. Um, yeah, yeah, no, we, we are going to do we are going to do it by dollar spent. So Google can have all the n- non spent, and, and you know, like you know, really, Apple should just call the Apple World Tax, and 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 say, well, all of these things that we are enabling for the world. You know what would the world be without Apple and the you know in this pandemic it'll be a really bad what, place. What, what so, would we talk about, Doc? What would what, we talk well, about? You know, I think you know, I, as a shareholder, I totally, <laughs> I'm totally cool with the ten percent Apple tax. <laughs> I like it. The, uh, the 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 AST, the Apple sales tax. I like it. All right, let's uh, let's not let's not necessarily say that's going to happen, but uh, let's. I'm looking Apple's, forward. To it. Apple's big. They're important. Maybe it'll happen one day. Who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe Apple's a server. I don't know. Maybe maybe Apple. Uh, maybe Apple. Government. What Apple could say is anybody who's not going to give that, they're going to put the kill switch <laughs> and kill their kill their phone. Harsh, harsh. All right. Uh, let's quickly switch. Is Tim move listening on. to this? Let's, let's, let's yeah, yeah. move on. Hopefully he's not. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. Let's move on. Let, let's move on. All right. So I want to go to Rio for a sec, mate. We don't talk a lot about miners, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about miners. I, I want to kind of look at this from a a slightly different perspective. Rio Tinto during the week lost three senior execs. The CEO, Jean Sebastian Bach, uh, Jacques, not Bach, oh my God, <laughs> Jean Sebastian Jacques, uh, JS, as they like to call him in the trade, the most French name ever, not Bach, that's a different bloke, um, and two of his lieutenants. He lost the CEO of his iron ore division and the, I think it was Group Executive of Public Relations or whatever the, her title was. Three of them walked the plank, either pushed or voluntarily or a combination of both. Because the company blew up an Aboriginal side of, of importance, of, of historical importance, in Western Australia as part of their mining operations. And I thought this was fascinating for a hot... I, I'm going to even put aside 
the the straight pure moral question for now whether it was right or wrong. I think we can all have views on that. I don't think it's necessarily particularly valuable for us to, to opine on that. Um, what I think is fascinating though, mate, is the way this played out. I I said at the time, I think on Twitter, maybe about email, I can't remember where I put it. Um, this is the most swift and serious response to what I'll call an ESG issue, and I'll, I'll explain that in a second, that I can recall ever in Australia. So ESG is this kind of in, in investing slash kind of categorization, environmental, social, and governance. So there are people who ethical investing is kind of a, a broad term. ESG is kind of the, the industry kind of jargon term for that kind of thing, right? People who invest on environmental, social, governance issues. Um, they've always had their own views. And there's always been funds and strategies and people and conversation about it. I honestly mate, can't remember such a big deal being made. And again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong that it has been, it hasn't been in the past or is now, like not judging it at all, not taking a view or not expressing a view anyway, I have a view. Um, but I, what, what I want to talk about with you is, is just that the, the seemingly much, much higher importance all of a sudden being put on that. Um, this would have been a, you know, we seen, so we saw Vale, for example, in, in South America, right? Um, dam collapse, big deal, government action. Like this. There's, there's always been legal and regulatory action taken. But from an investing perspective, the the basic demand for scalps from investors, not from governments, in the sense that somehow the investors wanted clean skins. We've also seen at AMP recently, and we talked about this one a couple of weeks ago, um, one of their senior execs go on sexual harassment allegations. Um, it just seems to me right now that I don't know if, we're, if in companies or investors have thinner skins, if they care more, if they're more worried about the share price, if there is more ESG going through, but it feels like we're in a new world. It feels like, you know, even if you as an individual investor don't care about that stuff or don't care as much as other people do, the simple reality that there's enough people out there who seem to care does seem to be changing the playing field for the way companies operate, what they do, how they deal with these sorts of things. Yeah, I think that's that's right. I mean, so I think the question is how big, from a company, like, I mean, this is a public relation issue, yes, number yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't say number one, but I mean, it's it's it's, it's, it's an issue on number fronts, right? I mean, you right. blow up something that you shouldn't have blown up, that, you know, aggrieves mm, mm. a group of people, mm. but at the same time, it creates this public relations problem yeah. as well, right? Yeah. Which is, which is um, you know, pan-Australia, even yeah. possibly pan-global, uh, right? right? I right, mean, right. so I think it... it we, Rio, Rio's dual listed, listed in London as well, obviously. Yeah, so. I mean, and, and Rio is a, is a global company, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I think they, don't the ADS also trade in the US or something like that? Sure they probably, probably do, do yeah, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's a pretty. It's again one of the big miners, yeah. so everybody knows about them. Um, so there's a little bit of a reputation management issue clearly mm, here, mm, and mm. I, so I don't know. Like I mean, the only reason I would, uh, I would not go as far as to say what you were saying, largely because I don't okay. know. Well, largely because I don't have the context of whether or not we have had similar. Right. Okay. Um, you know, like, here's yeah, the thing, yeah. right? Uh, and I don't sound like, you know, companies have, you know, have this duplicity, you know, do engage in duplicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, mining companies have flooded XYZ mine or blown right. up XYZ mine, right. whether it's in Brazil or Chile and something. And there's yep. been noise locally, but nobody yep. has done yep. anything about it. Um, and, you know, I'm sure they have mining companies and other companies have engaged in some activities which have been probably uh, hurtful mm, mm, mm. to indigenous communities of XYZ places. Right, right. There's always a tendency for for corporations to ignore things that happen far away, mm, right? Mm. And there's always a tendency for corporations to look at things <laughs> yes. that happen nearby with yes. a close eye. Yes, exactly. Because there's more press coverage. Right, right, right. Right. Um, I mean, that's the sheer reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, right? totally. You're right. And so what I don't know is whether something like this has happened in the past to another mm. Australian mm. mining company, like, mm. for example, BHP. And if such a thing had happened, what was the action taken? Yeah. Maybe this is a unique circumstances. It's the first time that, you yeah. know, they have blown up something that has these sort of implications and yeah. therefore people had to walk. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, But, but I mean... Okay, I, think, I think that's true, Matt. I mean, the other example that just came to mind then is the QBE boss who had to resign because of inappropriate email. It just it just strikes me that right now there's a much higher sensitivity in general to these sorts of reputational issues that simply, I just can't remember, to, I, I can't remember the time it happened for an individual, let alone, you know, in such a short space of time. And in such a, you know, it would have been swept under the carpet or dealt with or, you know, he's been disciplined or he's lost half his bonus or something. 
the, 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 the size of the of the consequences just strike me as being I, I'm not, I don't think it's inappropriate so just just stunningly serious and all of a sudden and the pressure coming from investors specifically from all reports the the Rio stuff was investors calling the board saying guys you gotta do something about this as opposed to the company yes there's reputation issues you're right doc absolutely um, and look maybe there is no key point it just it strikes me that you know even if you didn't care about the reputation even if you didn't care your, your company was blowing up Aboriginal sacred sites or or whatever it was you've almost got to care because other people do that, that that's the bit that kind of struck me you know it doesn't, doesn't matter what you personally think it's it's the fact that the market the rest of the market seems to care more and so to some degree they're the things you've got to start taking into account is just what struck me out of these you know AMP QBE Rio um, these are not these are not small companies these are not you know little guys that you know otherwise might have gone under the radar um, yeah just it just it just struck me as as remarkably uh, as meaningful change in, in the way companies are perceived and, and choose to operate and the pressure is being put on them from as you say the public the government and from shareholders yeah I think it's overall it's 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 good I think companies should have um, you know some moral obligations they should be you know good to customers good to people good to the earth mm. and all of those things all of those nice things so uh, I mean I think it's it's net positive as I said you know I mean it, it, and this is true. I'm not just picking on on Rio. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah. think there are different standards that get applied for companies' activities, I, and that's a you very know, good point, mate. in 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 certain locations versus that's other locations. Um, you know, companies claim that they're doing certain things, and then you know, like I mean, yeah, and and then they don't, then they're not doing those things. I mean, there's a lot of again nuance in this thing. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a net positive right mm-hmm. if uh, you know it, it cre- I mean it's a net positive even for shareholders right if better culture uh, more yeah I think uh, that's exactly right yeah yeah it's it's you know more empathy mm-hmm. in leadership mm-hmm. results in more empathy flowing from the leadership to yeah. uh, you know through the structure of the company which might result in better performance of people might be hiring of the right people you know doing the right things it's all of those all of those I think it's it's a net positive I mean I don't know again without knowing the full details mm-hmm. as to you know did three people need to walk or you know could there have right, right, been right. some other I, I really don't know what the details here are but I mean, it's a hell of a uh, statement, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty big statement. On the other hand, maybe, you know, uh, my, my cynical self would say, maybe they wanted to get rid of the CEO. <laughs> uh, anyways, they got an opportunity. And, and uh, you know, like, I case. mean, the only other thing I read is that uh, I think our treasurer was uh, was impressing on, on the board as to who they should hire. So, I mean, you know, maybe, uh, who knows? Like, you know, it's hard to know. Uh, you, you know, when the treasurer of a country... <laughs> <laughs> leans on the board and says who you're going to hire. Uh, that is also saying something. So, yeah. um, it's all of those things. I think, you know, again, it's hard to know without the underlying currents. It's amazing. All right, man. Let's. Uh, yeah, I, just, I think it's it's fascinating and worth worth thinking about. As I said, even if you're not someone who necessarily takes these things into account with your own investing, know that other people do, and therefore it actually may impact the long term returns or something that we've now got to kind of think about as as shareholders. I think to some degree. Yeah, like I'm not an ESG focused investor mm. like i mean i do consider some factors like you know and i as um, those factors largely from a long term mm. uh, you know branding perspective or long term sort of you know how market share might evolve because of people's beliefs and things like that but it it doesn't make you know i wouldn't say that don't invest in a lottery company because lotteries are bad or don't invest yeah. in a tobacco company because tobacco i mean everybody knows tobacco is bad but yeah. you know it's still legal people are still buying it that's sort of you're thing. right so, it's almost the unexpected stuff right like if it, investors are already going to price those stocks for doing what they do as they do it and you know people will will either like or not like the fact that we they own iron ore that's not the question it was more that kind of as you say the the standards of behavior for company engaging in those things it's almost that second level isn't it the 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 actual behavior of managers in different contexts rather than the actual underlying operations of the company itself yeah motley fool money Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. All right, let's move on, mate, to speaking of operation of a company itself. That's a terrible segue, but work with me. Um, Snowflake. We had a question as, as <laughs> I didn't even know the name of the company. A couple of weeks ago where someone said, you know, was, was it frozen parts, frozen things falling from the sky or something? I had no idea what he was talking about. By the way, I have another embarrassing uh, disclosure later in the mailbag episode on Sunday. So stand by for that. Um, Snowflake, database company you just mentioned. The I, I posted to you guys yesterday in Slack that the price between the last capital raising 
it did six months ago as a private company and its IPO price was a 3x gain. In other words, those people who participated in the last capital raising only six months before the IPO were now sitting on a profit of 300% or 200% profit, I suppose. The share price had tripled. That was a lot. And I thought it was a big deal. And then we wake up this morning to find out that Snowflake in its first day of trade doubled again overnight. Listed at 120, close at 250, give or take among friends. Um, that's a 6x for those people who invested six months ago. I... I, I'm so there's two questions I suppose there's there's you know is the company itself worth well it's the same question I suppose there's a question about the value of the quality, the quality of the company and then there's the question about man are people getting a bit crazy with these share prices yeah so let's tackle the the same question question first okay, so, good. Uh, so I think that's probably the, the big one yeah so in, in, uh, so the, um, you know the, the quality of the company or you know mm. and uh, the quality of its I guess revenue growth and things like that yeah so I think there's a lot of excitement on this company largely because um, this is sort of the IPO people have been waiting for okay. in many ways, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the growth rates are out of this world. You know, when you get you know 100% <laughs> really growth yeah. at 100 million plus on right. a quarterly basis, those are, you know, when you get net retention on a revenue basis, that is like, you know, 120, 130%, yeah. 140, 150, you know, that range, yeah. um, that is phenomenal. It basically shows the dominance of the software mm. and and or the platform. And then when you know that there are other companies built on top of this, mm. then that I mean again that seals the dominance factor uh, to a large extent. So it was a, it was a highly anticipated yeah. uh, IPO. The other thing about with pricing though, like the private market. I think really underprices stuff. Right. Um, obviously. <laughs> obviously, because I mean, you know, it's a, a relatively liquid market. Uh, you know, you uh, you as the company are going to yeah. these people seeking money. They are trying to make a lot of money and they're taking this risk. Mm. There's less liquidity, mm. right? Oh, there's no liquidity. Effectively, there's liquidity only across yeah. uh, the rounds, right? So for all of those things, they demand uh, a substantially cheaper price. Like, I mean, I think... The, People buying in into those private rounds early on mm. were paying substantially less price in, in a, on a on a valuation basis than mm. one would have paid in in the in the public market as we have seen right now and and this particular IPO is interesting right so you know your little uh, uh, your friend um, you know um, Uncle Warren the, the Uncle Warren <laughs> I mean his company had has taken, I think it's like a 250 million or a 500 million dollars position mm -hmm. in this company Salesforce Venture <laughs> and it's doubled overnight right, so I mean he's, right. he's sitting on a lot of money Salesforce Venture I think put an equal amount of money into okay. it at the IPO price right yeah, and yeah. the IPO price uh, initial target was seventy dollars. Then it was raised to eighty. Then it was yeah. raised to ninety. Then, based on the demand, it was raised to one hundred and ten. Mm -hmm. And then it was raised to one twenty, right? So they bought at one twenty, yeah, okay. right? They did not backtrack at one twenty. So they went from the thinking, yeah, right, right, that right. we are going to buy at seventy, yeah, yeah, yeah. to buying at one twenty. <sighs> that is more than a fifty percent gain, yeah, in or increase in their effective buy-in price right and then that yeah. didn't change their um their perception of how much of the stock they're buying right mm. they still bought the same amount of stock that they're committed to mm. um and i believe they're locked in for some time so mm. i mean mm. to some extent it speaks to, uh, there's another thing actually very interesting about this company that i'll point out um so this company is now being run by the by the same ceo cfo pair mm. that took service now public okay Okay. Not a household name service now. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So ServiceNow is an IT service management, you know, ITSM company. Uh, it, you know, it maintains these dashboards that allows you to see how your, you know, IT systems are working across whether it's in the cloud or, you know, in, in, in the enterprise, right? Not... But what he did with that company, that company has been a phenomenal, uh, you know, money minting machine. It, it, right. you know, it's still growing at like 35% in billions and billions of dollars of revenue. Nice. Right? He actually left that job yeah. to really start this job right okay. in a way yeah. um, so there's a you know so they've got the founders in the business mm. Mm. they've got a stellar uh, CEO CFO combo mm. Mm. they've got backing of you know so I'll discount the Berkshire backing here because you know Berkshire's history with tech is not that great yeah yeah you, you, uh, wouldn't, you wouldn't take that as reputational it's, it's not <laughs> reputational yeah exactly and the fact that sales, I can agree with that yeah, well, I mean, it's it's, it's neutral. Yeah, in my, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's not saying anything, okay, uh, right. in my view. Yeah. Um, 
but there's Salesforce Venture, yeah. which is in it. And Salesforce has a history of backing some of the best, you yeah. know, uh, SaaS companies that have come out. You know, it being the original, it's the granddaddy of yeah, SaaS, right? Sorry. Yeah, totally, totally. So, I mean, I can see. Now, in my view, uh, paying 100% more mm. than what the IPO price was, I, I think is pushing the limit. I mean, I personally, I would think somewhere around buying around, you know, 120 to 140 mm. and then being really patient yeah. um, would probably be a good deal. Uh, yeah. You know, it'll, it'll still work out if you are you're patient, volatility, volatility tolerant, you start a position mm. and you basically add on, you know, opportunistically, right? If I think that would still be okay. But here, clearly, there's uh, too much exuberance in this case. It, oh, at least that's what I think. Mm. I could be proven wrong. Um, but in my mind, the way I look at this is, you know, we are looking at a market cap, I think roughly $75 billion now, mm. or maybe 80, somewhere in that region. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And if you want your money to 3x, uh, if you want your money to 4x, let's say, <laughs> in... <laughs> Yeah, uh, in four uh, x in ten years they in a decade, a lot, right? that's looking at a three hundred billion dollar plus market capitalization. That'll be larger than Salesforce. Yeah. Uh, so now, we've said in the past we shouldn't be scared of big numbers. Apple's two trillion dollars. I mean, these numbers are doable. Absolutely, but it gives you, as you say, it, when you when you say how you could be bigger, if it does it, it'd be bigger than in ten years than Salesforce is now. That's that's ambitious, not necessarily impossible, just ambitious. Yeah, it is ambitious. I mean, this is as I said, this this is a rare company. It it has those numbers that. Mm you know, would make anybody, you know, uh, um, salivate right, as, right, as, right. as all these people have, you know, all these big, big uh, people with money have gone there because those numbers are unbelievable. Um, they, you know, the the growth is, is, is phenomenal. Yep. Retention is phenomenal. Yep. Um, so, I mean, you know, they've got an outstanding team and they've got mm. absolutely A-rate software and, mm. I mean, the final thing and is... And the sales speaks for itself. And the, sales, and, the, and the final thing is that this is really... I think the most important thing is this is really scratching the tip of the iceberg in many ways, right? So if you think it's a... So, so this is not really a database, but this is a data warehouse. You store all sorts of data and you query it and then you use it for different things. But yep. you want this to work in a fast way, yep. um, a fast, seamless way. So, you know, searching, you know, finding data. But as we inject more and more data into the cloud... As companies have more and more data, as you know, as you get five G and you have IoT and mm, you know mm. you do these all of these things, it should only grow, okay. which would make a platform that scales mm. and scales well mm. really, really valuable. So I mean, there is okay. there is some rationale behind it. Um, I would be happier at <laughs> at the price. I guess uh, Berkshire got in. If I got in at that price, uh, you know, I yeah. was I, I publicly basically tweeted saying that I'm not going to even try to buy this at right. the IPO. My 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 thinking was that I had a small doubt mm. that something like this. The problem with trying to buy post IPO really is that if a lot of people are chasing and the price goes mm. up, right? I think the price hit actually 300 plus during the day. Mm. Uh, I actually woke up today at three o'clock just to check this. Oh, okay. Because this is, this is you know, for, for, for people who are interested in tech, uh, this is this is a very interesting company, mm-hmm. super interesting company. Okay. Um, and I was actually, at that time, I think it was trading at 300 bucks. I said, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I promptly went back to sleep. <laughs> I'll see how it closes. But it's, yeah, yeah so... I don't know. Like, I mean, all those people who were paid, th- there is all those people who paid 300 plus, mm. I think have been the water uh, for a while. Um, mm. So, I mean, you know, a little bit of patience with this sort of company <laughs> is really, really critical. A lot of times, a lot of these companies actually pull back. Right. I am left to wonder, mate, whether there's, are we, are we in, yeah, the, one of my favorite, I don't, I don't love jargon. One of my favorite acronyms in investing is TINA, which is there is no alternative. And I wonder to some degree, this price kind of blast today, the, the pop, whatever you call it, tech is on tech is on the in the ascendancy and, and fr- fundamentally for very good reasons. And you talked about that already. To some degree, though, I do wonder whether it's that sense of, well, I guess you've got to put your money somewhere and I guess you've got to be in tech right now because where the economy is at and I guess Snowflake's going to go well, so I guess you've got to own some shares. And if you follow that through too much, you've got everything, everyone buying all the same stocks and excitedly because they don't want to miss out and where else do you put your money right now? And that's 
not even necessarily a terrible question to ask or a terrible issue to ponder, but does that lead to, to your point, maybe you know, talk about pullbacks down the track, it, it, does, that, does that risk overpricing in this sector just because everyone, even to your point, like, you know, I'm, I'm a Berkshire shareholder, I, I'm quite fond of Uncle Warren, but, you know, even when Berkshire's throwing money at tech, like, you know, it's, it's, it's it almost feels like to some degree a capitulation trade of sorts, right? Like, if everyone's buying Snowflake because everyone's buying Snowflake because everyone's buying Snowflake, it becomes sort of self-filling prophecy until it's not anymore. Yes, I partially, uh, well, I partially agree with that. So, like, I mean, here, here's my thing. If you have two different choices to make, mm. I am never one to buy a mediocre company. So I do not buy mediocre right, companies right, in my right. portfolio. Mm-hmm. It's my rule. Yep. I would not buy a mediocre company mm-hmm. because it's a mediocre company. It has no place in my in my mm-hmm. books, mm-hmm. even for cheap, because like you know, there's just too many risks with buying mediocre companies. Right. So there's no doubt in my mind that Snowflake in the software land is probably one of the highest quality companies you can find. Okay. Right. I have no doubt about that. Just right. the numbers speak for that. The team speaks for the, the you know, the, the fact that they're a platform with other mm-hmm. companies built on it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, those are the facts. Now, if I wanted to buy a data warehouse company mm-hmm. in my portfolio, well, this is the company to buy. But you right. wouldn't necessarily buy a database company at any price. No. So yeah, I was coming to that. Oh, so, so, so my point really is that between this and buying some other company that you know is going to be a PE rebound, mm. it's probably mm. a better choice. Mm. If you're going to be patient with this, you'd probably make money if you hold it for 10 years, mm-hmm. even for maybe this price, mm-hmm. right? So if you hold it for 10 years, maybe you're going to make money. Okay. Yeah, you know, you just have to withstand yep. pain for a longer time. <laughs> so a good company yeah. gives you the opportunity to make money over time right. if it is on the right path. Yep. I wouldn't say that, you know, I would say that this doesn't hold for Bookshare because Bookshare probably is not on the right path, right. in my opinion. Yeah, sure, right? sure. So, uh, so if the company is on the right path with, with the right, I guess, if, it, if the winds are blowing in your favor, mm-hmm. even if you pay up, mm. you'll be okay. So yeah. that is, you know, eventually, yeah, yeah. as long as you're patient, <laughs> yeah, as long right, as you're willing right. to tolerate the, you right. know, the down that is going to come eventually or it's going to look like it's lagging through market or whatever yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Or maybe it is not going to, right? Who knows? Yeah. Maybe it's going to trade at like 100 times sales. I don't know. But but uh, my, mm. my thinking is that with the highest quality, my own personal preference, I, I said this on Twitter that I'm not going to buy this on the IPO largely because mm. my favorite trade mm. is to buy the highest quality company mm. in a possible area which is hated by the pundits. And I've made the most money right. on those trades. Right, right, right. Okay. So that's what I buy. Okay. What I, in my opinion, is the highest quality and is disruptive, has got unique leadership, mm. has got a large TAM, and every dog hates it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's great because right, it's gonna right, be underpriced. Right. And I am what I'm willing to do is I'm willing to wait for everybody to actually love it, mm-hmm. and I'll still hold it because it's a great company, so at, mm-hmm. at, a, at a even higher price, uh, right? So I mean, the theory would be that you know something like Amazon, everybody loves it, right? And I still mm-hmm. hold it, but I'm mm-hmm. not buying more Amazon because you know well, everybody loves it, right? I mean, it's a great company, mm-hmm. but you know when everybody loves something, so every listener right now is yelling at their phones or podcast players, which company do you think is the highest value, most hated business out there? Well, what's just, so? I mean, in my I've said this for a long time, and I'll continue saying this. I still think the uh, Tesla hmm. is the most hated business, um, even at expensive hated business given the gains. But you know what? The Tesla's PE is probably less than Kogan's PE. Just right. go out one year, right? And yet, you would buy Kogan, but you would not buy Tesla. I okay. used to. But it's, not, it's not the most hated. I, I think that that's different. Though it's not the most hated company in the country, right? Like there's there's a there's some people who don't buy the stock, but that's different from what you kind of just said about being so, the most hated. So company. it is hated because every you know there are a large number of shorts mm. still shorting yeah. the company. It's the highest shorted stock still in the U.S. Okay. in dollar volume. Mm-hmm. The consensus rating on the company is at best hold, right. and it is at best hold because all these people have given up because their price targets you know, now look ridiculously silly. Hmm. So they've just given up and they're saying, okay, fine, if nothing, we're gonna just price match, right? Right. Last year, it was going bankrupt, hmm. right? But now it's not, I mean, do, well, you, so, you're so, gonna do it from now, from this point forward. Well, but I, would have thought, I wouldn't have thought they would have made it even close to the most hated company in the US. Maybe the, to your point, maybe the largest number of shorts is, but is there something, maybe for saying so, so know, my, by, by number so, of shorts, So my, my definition, uh, so, so I think, you know, in, 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 as long as most, more, more people don't do this, I feel mm. very happy about it. Right. Uh, my definition of consensus talk is mm. it's a buy per analyst following it. Okay. Okay. So this is not a buy, this is a hold or a sell, yeah, right? right. Uh, high short interest. Okay. Right. 
relatively, you know, in dollar figures or percentage or whatever you want to own it. Yep. And common consensus among people who talk about stocks on Twitter or mm. Opinionate or write on newspapers is negative. Mm. Okay. Right? I think this company takes all of those boxes. Mm. At the same time, this company has got the most disruptive TAM, has got probably the most brilliant business leader we have seen in the last 50 years is producing those consumer goods that people line up to buy or willing to wait mm. and has got a fanatical following. Mm. So this is basically Apple plus plus, mm. you know. I'm, 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 I'm thinking about the most hated bit, not, not so much the quality of the company bit. From a, the share price, if you'd asked me, I looked at the share price said, how can you say a company is hated if it's up, what, eightfold in, in 12 months, whatever it is up? Yeah, I mean, but, uh, well, but here's the thing, right? When it was at a... Let me give you let me give you a, an example, right? Mm-hmm. The, the reason I'm saying hated is yeah. this, right? When the stock when the stock was what ten x below or eight x below last mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. it was a thirty or forty billion dollar company yep. with twenty billion dollars of sales. Right. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Nikola has got drawings. Mm-hmm. So Nikola is the hydrogen powered car company. Yeah. It's the you know, would be yeah. disruptor. Yeah. So Nikola is the hydrogen-powered truck maker, right. which has got drawings, mm-hmm. hasn't made anything, it's got no <laughs> factories, yeah. maybe has no IP, yeah. and is worth 30, 40 billion. Right. That is that is euphoria. Mm. That was not mm. right. Now, if you think about if I if I if I want to think about this company, I would say, well, you know, mm. look at a few different things, right? I mean, look at the areas it tackles, right? The the TAM of these areas is mm. absolutely massive. You mm. just forget the vehicles. You think about the autonomous. You mm-hmm. think about the energy market. Mm. Think about the the roof market where mm. you're selling these roof tiles, mm. and then you just look at the earnings. Mm. I mean, would a company that can grow say earnings at forty percent and that is probably selling at a forward P of 80. Is that really that? If, if, I, if I can deliver 40% earnings growth for 10 years mm. and I'm selling at a forward P of maybe 80, is that really expensive? It's not. No, but again, though, no, we're talking, sorry, we're back to the most hated thing, right? So we're not, not arguing about the company itself, just saying you know, that if you just said to me, find the most hated company, I'd be looking for stuff that's down, hasn't gone up. You know, obviously, you know, if, 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 if the view of the market is expressed in price, I would have looked for companies that are down or flat price-wise and said, obviously the market sees no value here. In Tesla, it's hard to argue on on my perspective, and again, you had a different, different definition of it, but it's hard to argue it's the most hated stock when the price is up 10x in 12 months. I would say that's the one that, if not the most loved stock, at least you know plenty of people have recognized the value and have already piled in. I would say it's, it's, it's one of the more loved stocks on the earth. If you'd asked me, and, and again, I'm not, not for the sake of arguing, but if, literally if you'd said to me, you know, what, what are some of the most loved stocks right now? I would have said Snowflake, Tesla, uh, you know, whatever else is up, up, you know, tenfold in the last 12 months. Um, I wouldn't have picked Tesla as, as in that category, that's all. Um, and let me ask you a counter question. Um, uh, do you think Kogan is, uh, is a highly um, talked about um, Overvalued stock. I highly talked about. I think it's overvalued. It's still a buy for me, but I, it's right. absolutely. It's, it's but it has gone true. up seventeen x since IPO. Yeah, totally. Right, and that's but okay. No, but, but, I'm, but I'm not calling it a hated stock. I'm, I'm not. Again, I'm not, not questioning your decision to say Tesla's yeah. worth buying. I'm just saying specifically, if the categorization is quality company that's hated by the market. Yeah. I I I, I couldn't have. Uh, if, again, if you'd asked me and said, if you give me twenty five companies, and said which of these is the yeah. most hated. I would say Tesla is the top yeah, so, one or so two I, least hated companies by definition because of the share price. No, so I think you know. So I think my definition. So share price. Uh, I think my definition of hate would be share price. Just for the share price, right. pundits don't like the company. Yeah. Okay. 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 Right. right? So, okay. So pundits on Twitter, pundits right, on okay, on 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 Wall Street, yeah, yeah, or okay, okay. pundits you know evaluating yeah. the company. They don't like the company. They call it overvalued. Okay. The, you know they. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. So that you know, so it's basically a company that's it's called overvalued. You know, in yes. fa- in fact, what I don't want, I don't want a beaten down stock right. that is hated for the right reasons. <laughs> <laughs> right. Makes sense. Yeah. Right. So those are the bad stocks yeah, to okay. own, right? I mean, if I, if a stock is beaten down for the, all the right reasons, <laughs> I stay yeah, exactly. very clear yeah. off that. Yeah, yeah. Right. If people okay. call it overvalued, and you know it's a hold for most people, right. you know. So most hated. You're really talking about the views of of the kind of analysts and talking chat, talking heads, that kind of. Yeah. Kind of so group. I okay. mean, you know, so right. if if there is no consensus that right. this is not the bias, this is the stock that is not in every portfolio. Mm-hmm. 
if every growth portfolio manager doesn't own it, mm-hmm. that's okay. That yeah. is actually a good yeah. thing. They're eventually going to own it because they're going to capitulate mm-hmm. at some point. Like everybody has capitulated and everybody owns Amazon, right? Everybody mm-hmm. hated Amazon like 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my definition. And, and the stock was still up uh, 10 years ago. So, I mean, you know, or the same thing with, you know, with, with Apple, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. know, oh, this company is going to go bankrupt or this company's earnings are going to be on a decline or whatever. Not. It's it's mm-hmm. just, it's the, the mentality of um, the group. Yeah, okay, makes uh, sense. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, cool. Um, mate, I reckon it's time for some mailbag. What do you reckon? Let's do it. All right. So, <laughs> this I, I'm gonna I'm, we got a question slash comment from Rando on Facebook, and again I mentioned this on Friday. Not to not to well look. To be honest, after all the love you've given Apple, I'm allowed to at least mention the fact that their podcast player seems to still be giving us grief. So I will just for the sake because Rando asks, "Hey guys, love the wisdom, the laughs, and all the learnings we get every week." Just wondering, as you guys keep going on about these special Sunday episodes, are they so special that we can't even see or locate them, i.e. for some special secret subset of your listeners? Um, so again, I'm doing this on Friday because the Friday episodes seem to work. The Sunday ones, not so much. Um, we are still, unfortunately, having some listeners with issues with Apple Podcasts. Um, and I will say what I said last week, which is one of our listeners said, if you unsubscribe delete and resubscribe to the podcast it seems to fix the problem we don't know why the triple m techies the podcast one techies have looked into it we've asked apple for help um no one seems to be able to resolve the problem but our listeners tell us if you delete and uh and and resubscribe it solves the problem we've actually looked at two iphones side by side the podcast one guys have anyway one has it one doesn't so there is definitely something around there's something somewhere um so if you're having problems if you're not getting the sunday mailbag episodes unsubscribe delete the podcast from your player resubscribe that last step is super important because you don't want to lose you as listeners uh, and hopefully you will hear the episode so Rando, try that for me uh watch it wait till you finish listening to this one of course delete it resubscribe and hopefully like magic on sunday about lunchtime should we do a special mailbag episode doc Oh, oh, it's, 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 it's a given. We're kind of, we're kind of, we kind of do it now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you are, Rando. So you will hear, hopefully, if you do that, our special, air quotes, Sunday mailbag edition. All right. Mate, a question from Gary. Now, firstly, Gary says, I thought you might like this. And Gary, God love him, what we do, Gary, has included an image of, from his podcast player, of all of the time spent listening to podcasts. He spent five days and 20 hours listening to Planet Money. He spent seven days and four hours listening to Risky Business, seven days and 21 hours listening to The Exchange. But at the very, very top of his podcast listening is eight days and one hour of Motley Fool Money. So, Gary, thank you. We do like it very much. Thank you for spending eight hours and one, eight days and one hour with us. Hopefully, that will go up and not down from here. Hopefully, you'll keep listening and enjoying plenty more Motley Fool Money, mate. But thank you for sharing that. We do like it. He has a question for us too, Doc. And I figure after sharing that image, we've got to at least address the question. He says, I've got a question for the mailbag. Would you or the doc have a view on either of the following, Sonic Health or Sims Group? Thanks for the years of infotainment. I like that, infotainment. That's kind of cool. We like to be informative. We like to entertain. Hopefully, it makes it worth listening to. So thanks, Gary. Appreciate the, the positive feedback, mate. And thank you for spending eight days and one hour with us. Um, that's pretty huge, right? And we don't ever take that for granted. Um, as I said last week, we have a couple of listeners who've complained that we waffle and talk for too long and that kind of stuff. And maybe we do. If you're looking for news, this is not the place to get it. If you're looking for a five-minute summary of the market, this is not the place to get it. Hopefully, we're doing a bit of information, a bit of entertainment at the same time. Doc, do you have a view on Sonic or Sims? Uh, so I have a well, small view. I mean, these are uh, so, so Sims is the recycler. It is, and uh, Sonic is the pathology company. Correct. Now that both, uh, I'm not really, like. I mean, these are not the type of companies I. <laughs> they're not really. Yeah, I find they're not, interesting. They're not, not high growth tech. Yeah, they're not. Type you know, they're not. They? They're not consumer companies. <laughs> they're not high growth. They. You know, the, for these sort of companies, you yeah. really need to get the valuation. So for Sims, yeah. you need to get, you know, maybe there are cycles and stuff that you need to be aware of, especially economic cycles that mm. may have an impact with how uh, that company moves. Mm. Um, again, with, with pathology, I guess. I mean, pathology is, is really a steady business, Yeah. right? So you need to really buy this sort of company mm. at at a good valuation. Yeah. So you need to be good with your modeling and you need to really, <laughs> you know, the problem is that everybody else is going to be also good with the modeling. It's really yeah. hard, really hard to find yeah. uh, a way to get, you know, you really need to have some sort of, you know, special secret sauce type well, of thing. Every investor, if you're going to beat the market, has to have something better than the market, right? If you if you can't analyze these companies better than the average person, buying them and expecting to beat the market is a tough ask, right? To, to imagine you can regularly get market beating returns, i.e. find hidden value, 
if you're not better than the average bear, tough ask. Yeah, I guess the only thing I'll say is that, you know, the only argument I can come up uh, against that or, in you know, to suggest is that for a company like, like say, Sonic mm. would be that, you know, most people tra- tend to, a lot of market, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of market participants have like a 12-month sort of view. Yeah. If you're lucky, maybe they have a six-month view <laughs> and they're looking for these sort of, you know, um, yes, catalysts yep. um, that are going to drive the share price one way or the other mm. over that time frame. So I think sometimes we're just taking like in a five, year plus you know in the company like this you can take a five-year vision you know the pathology is going nowhere right yeah, it's going to be yeah. here uh in five years and we'll, we'll probably be doing more of that yep. um so if you take that view and you can justify buying it today at whatever price it is because you think in five years it should be x price mm-hmm. based on your model uh or you know based on what you think is a fair price then i think you can you could still make a trade and buy it and hold it for when i say trade i mean you can buy and then hold it for that time if you justify that so that could be the edge just time arbitrage is the Mm, edge mm, um otherwise i don't know what edge you would have really i agree i agree um look you're right on sims doc i've i've looked at that for quite a while um on off and on never ever pulled the trigger it is super, super exposed to the iron ore price. You actually need to think about Sims in the same cyclical way as iron ore miners, because it, literally that's the vast bulk of its business. A little bit of steel, a little bit of alumina, so kind of it's all it's all kind of in the mix. Um, but certainly, steel with iron ore price is super relevant because at some point, when iron's cheap, guess what? No one bothers to buy recycling because you can buy virgin iron ore for cheaper prices. When the iron's expensive, then recycling becomes more economic. And so Sims does absolutely have those cycles. You are dead right, mate, despite having never looked at the company. You've, you've nailed it. Um, that's exactly the, the, the challenge. I think that's probably the um, – that, that's that's how to think about Sims. I wouldn't touch it because, um, frankly, if you get the cycle right, I'd rather buy a miner than a recycler in the context because you simply have a better operational expertise and, and the, the, the cost price of these guys – give you more protection ironically than on the downside of the cycle the the, the average price of iron ore compared to the cost that Fortescue or BHP or Rio get them out of the ground at um, I'd buy the miner over the recycler any day just and I don't love that from an environmental perspective but it just tends to be true uh, on Sonic maybe look at the Sonic share price graph it is a picture of beauty if you like slow steady upward share prices Sonic over the last I want to say 10 years has just had this you know grinding positive share market return it's about as flat and up a curve as you'll find for, for share prices and it probably is right because pathology shouldn't be that volatile a business um, over time you hope there's more population more tests more cures more ways to help people um, that that tends to you know follow in that sort of straight line so you'd expect that on the other hand I'm not entirely sure the business isn't reasonably fully valued and to your point doc you gotta get the modeling right right the more stable the business the more likely it is, as you say, the market's going to get this exactly right. I think you've nailed that one as well. Um, so on Sonic, if you, you know, you've got to believe you've got some sort of different perspective and time may be enough, as you say, but even then, because Sonic is such a steady performer, even the length of time is unlikely to give you huge amounts of value because if you've got a high growth company, when, when, when the model has, you know, finished their growth three years out, but you go 10 years out, there's plenty of value. If the growth is so stable, um, often harder to get some to get some upside. But I, I completely agree with you, mate. I think you're dead right. Um it's it's probably a nice bottom draw stock. Not it's not under it's not it's not completely unexposed to government regulation and change. Um, you may remember, Doc, a couple of years ago, I think there was a government proposed to reduce the Medicare rebate paid for pathology, and the shares would take a hit, and people worried about the profitability of that business. And whenever you're relying largely on a single payer, i.e., the government, to hand out the cash, you're always a little bit vulnerable to any regulatory changes. But otherwise, I wouldn't buy it. I don't think it's cheap enough, but certainly. Um, hard to suggest it's not. It hasn't been a great performer over long, long periods of time. It's a four X in twenty years. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, so it's it's a steady, it's sort of stable. It's yeah. stable. You know, one thing is, I was thinking when you were talking about CMC is, and, and maybe this is for. Uh, I don't know what the ESG implications are there, but if if there is a push more and more to use recycled mm. stuff, mm. I don't know how that impacts yeah. CMC and whether that you know changes their value prop in mm. any meaningful mm. way. Good point. Are we done? Yep. I've got some something fun to tell people. On Sunday, we have had a question from Dion, and I'm not going to give you the whole question. I'm just going to say, well, I'm going to tell you the first, the first part of the question. Dion asks, hey, fools, thank you for spending an hour each week on your podcast to answer our questions. I thought perhaps we could mix it up a bit, so why don't we play a game? I'm going to offer you 10 pairs of investment ideas, and you will have to make a decision on which you would prefer to invest in over the other. No fence sitting, just shoot from the hip. So he's got some ETFs, some uh, industries, some commodities, some ideas. I love them. And so Dion's question, we're going to answer on Sunday. I'm excited about answering it, mate, quite honestly. And I hope our listeners are excited to hear what 
I don't ask and what we've got to say. You can't even see this one yet because it's still on my Facebook feed. I just found it then. So uh, we're going to answer that one on Sunday. In the meantime, and before we do go, don't forget you can and should subscribe to the Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes, your favourite Android podcast app or podcast one. And again, if you're using iTunes, you're not giving the Sunday Mailbag episodes, you know how to fix that. So please do that. If you like what we're doing, please give us a rating, leave us a review, tell your friends, write it in the sky, write it in chalk, tattoo it on your body if you so choose, but maybe don't do that. Certainly not after a few drinks, don't do that. Anyway, a bit more more foolishness in the world would not be a bad thing, even if it's tattoos. Don't forget, you can also get a dose of that foolishness straight to your inbox by going to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Triple M. That's it for this week's Motley Fool Money. We'll be back on Sunday with Dion's question as part of our special Sunday Mailbag Edition. Fool on. Fool on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.